This is the 56th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Extra warm welcome to you, dearest listener. Hello, everybody. Good to be back on the cast. Yeah, welcome back, Robin. And hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Deck app. In this episode, we will get a report from Robin and his recent top 8 at a paper rent in Norrköping, also known as the 11th largest city in Sweden, city rights obtained already in mid-14th century. This tournament was a side event to a predominantly modern tournament weekend run at Invasion Games. Shout out to them for running paper events. I had plans to go as well, but as the tournament was slated to start at 2pm, it would not work for me logistically, sadly. And I think we will get back to that late start a bit in the discussion as well. But I'm hoping to go next time. Norrköping is indeed a great city, albeit not the largest. But Robin, what about you? You went and you brought your trusted 8 cast. Is this correct? That is correct. I have not been playing a lot during the summer. So I just took the deck that was sleeved up that I was feeling warmed up with from the Malmö tournament. So I, I made a few changes to the sideboard but basically brought the, the same deck more or less. And um, yeah, it was really nice venue. Actually, haven't been to Invasion Store before, but it was just a short walk from the train station. And I like Norrköping. It's a beautiful city, uh, especially in the summer. So it was really nice. I was there like two hours before it started. So I got to eat lunch and walk around a little bit and all of that. And as you said, uh, the tournament started at 2. It was a little bit delayed because they needed to see if any of the modern players were going to drop at after round 3 from the larger mo- modern tournament. Some of them didn't. Uh, Andreas, for example, our friend Deltar, uh, he was 3-0 in modern, so he decided to keep playing modern instead of playing legacy. And similar to some of the other legacy guys, they they played uh, modern. So it was not uh, a very large tournament, but, you know, nice side event. And there were quite a few people from Stockholm there, and uh, I got paired against one of the Stockholm players in round one. And uh, I know that he's on uh, reanimator, so I keep a hand, a seven, with double force of will, and hope to just like win that race and uh, we trade resources obviously and he ends up reanimating one of his griefs which is like one of the strengths to the new reanimator deck i should say that even if they don't succeed to put the fatty in the yard they can they can still reanimate something so this was uh, a little bit troublesome because i was out of cards in hand and uh, i kept drawing lands and petals and things that didn't matter and uh, grief having menace was also very important because i had i could make a blocker but (laughs) i couldn't block so we actually won with grief beatdown which is kind of cool i love to see it it's always brutal you never think it's gonna happen to you but then (laughs) it does yeah but then in game two and game three i can bring in quite a lot of counter magic and some of the graveyard hate so in game two he mulls to four and i mull to five so we are both very low on resources but i have a really good hand i can start with the graft diggers cage and like protect that all the way he has a shenanigans but i have force of negation for that luckily it could have been another counter spell and then i would have probably lost but force of negation did it job there yeah, I think Shenanigans is just such a cool card for... Uh, the first time I played it was in uh, Bologna. I played against Dredge that brought it in. Mm. And it's 
one of those cards that you think don't think too much about and uh, you know it get around cage and it's just super nasty it's cool it's like a card that has sort of an unpredictably high skill level i would say yeah so it's a very deep common if a chalice on one isn't on like in play you can always just entomb for it and then start dredging and doing stuff like that it's super cool it, it does a lot for the deck. So I was certainly saved by the Force of Negation there. And in game three, he's a bit unlucky. He mulls again, I think, down to five. Uh, or maybe it was four again. And uh, I get to play Chalice on one and Chalice on two. And I think that he has boarded in show and tell, but I'm packing counter magic for that. So that was pretty rough trying to solve double Chalice. Yeah, double Chalice is usually a good night. I think it's pretty cool also, you know, being a Chalice deck... And then not only playing Force of Wills, but also playing Saga. So even if you land a Chalice on one, you can still go and get that Graph Diggers with the with the Saga. It's just super nasty. And it's one of the reasons why I really, you know, it's always scary to be packing, you know, Piffing Needles and stuff like that in a Chalice deck. But the Sagas just make it so comfortable. So I really, I really dig the, the cage in the sideboard. I have the split when it comes to, to graveyard interaction. So I have one Tormod's Crypt, which I can also play even if the Chalice is on one, if I happen to draw it. But then, like, Graftigger's Cage is such a haymaker in some matchups. I mean, Tormod's Crypt is a one-time effect, but Graftigger's Cage is, is a lock piece. So it's very important to have that, and also against the Green Sun and Natural Order decks. You really need that card in, in, your, in your Saga deck, even if it's a little bit iffy. Sometimes with a chalice interaction in match two uh, matched up against uh, the player that actually got me into playing eight cast jakob berlin who has also been a guest at the podcast before and he was on blue red delverless delver or like the blue red shredder deck and i win the die roll in game one very important i play i have a like a slow hand but that is very bomb heavy so to say so i start with playing a uh, turn one shadow spear and he plays a land go and like this is i think one of the weaker things about that deck it has fewer turn one plays obviously he i think he had a shredder in his hand if that had been a delver he would have had a threat but it's just a land and next turn i play another land and chalice and he has to dace it so he's back to zero lands, right? And I'm up to two lands. And next turn, I can play the Spell Bomb, which I play in the main as my second uh, Ursa target. And then a second Chalice, which he forces. And then he can land a Shredder on his turn. And like one or two turns later, I can land a Kappa. And he's so like behind on mana. So he can't ever get up to ward mana, even if he would draw his Pyroblast. And the Kappa just raises it because I have the Shadow Spear in play as well. So that game is over. Yeah, I think like one of the things that you uh, were into when you said that uh, like the first drop could have been a Delver. One of the things that I always think is scary when you're playing Blue Red Delver is that they, they can lean into the tempo plan. And then due to expressive iteration and Merktide just have a very strong late game too. Yeah. And, you know, if you're packing a lot of ledger shredders and you still want to uh, like expressive iteration and play Merktides and stuff, like your tempo plan gets so much weaker. And, you know, dacing on turn one there, it's just a, a nightmare for uh, like a, a deck without the eight one drops or 12 as it was uh, not too long ago 
Yeah, we were actually speaking about that deck after the game because I think that he should have forced the first chalice to preserve his land in play so he could get out the Leather Shredder one turn earlier. But he said that he wanted to use the daze because the daze falls off so quickly in this matchup, which is true, like I have all the petals and the fast mana. But in this particular game, I only played like ordinary lands one at a time. So it was a c- quite quite a slow hand. I mean, he couldn't have known that he could have dazed the chalice or the second chalice but so it was probably a good decision to like make it matter but it was very interesting so in game two he curves darcy into shredder and i get to play emery and sai and on his turn three i think he plays the maddening hex and he's brought in three maddening hex from the sideboard is that a free mana enchantment yeah 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 so each time i play a non-creature spell he rolls a die and I take damage equal to the die. So like the the expected value is 3.5, but it can be anything from one damage to six damage for one spell. So like, actually, this card was really fun to play with because like it was, uh, you know, it was rolling a dice that would like matter so much for each spell that I played. And we were like, yes, uh, no, it was super fun to play with. So I have like, I have good cards in play, but they don't really do anything unless I play spells, right? So like the Emery wants to cast a bauble from the yard and the Sai want me to cast a bauble from the yard. But like taking three damage from a bauble, life goes down quite fast. You mean 3.5 damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, Just exactly. And uh, he, yeah, right. And the next turn, he also double wastes me. So I'm out of lands, completely out of lands. And and I'm actually happy for this because I think that a saga would be one of my best draws. So I'm happy not to have a wasteland in the, in the other corner because that would make creatures without me taking damage. And it would also give me the shadow spare to like raise the damage raise. But I have to play like petal from the yard uh, and he rolls one. Yes. <laughs> and like next turn I have to play Opal from the yard and he rolls one again yes so from there on I can start playing uh, like a thought monitor that uh, that I had which presents a really good blocker together with Emery so he's like inclined not to attack into me uh, too much and finally I, I get to draw a Kappa which I can play like the creature doesn't cost any damage so I actually managed to raise the Maddening Hex thanks to the Kappa and like having having a sort of a few side tokens and uh, the thought monitor as a blocker. So that was pretty cool. And uh, like the third spell that I played, he rolled a four. So like it it was one, one and four. So I, I got lucky in the rolls. So like if he would rolled a five or something in the beginning, I think I'd be much worse off because then he would be incentivized to attack more if my life total was slower. So really interesting gameplay actually with Manning Hex in play. Looking forward to playing that myself. It was it was also kind of funny like you said that he did uh, like a lot of low rolls. If I com- remember correctly you started game one as well so I guess that he rolled bad there as well. Yeah yeah exactly. I, I think he rolled. <laughs> oh, I, I was talking about that with him a little bit later in the tournament, and he was he was not happy with his dice doing the work for him. But he was he was br- bringing that card in for every matchup that he faced. I think. Oh wow! You need to get those die reps in. Yeah, and I was looking at the like the Nerd Rage 5K series that went like this weekend. I think really good uh, tournament series. You can watch it on Twitch. I can recommend it. A lot of Delver mirrors, though. <laughs> it was a lot of Delver, and I and there you can see a lot of Manning Hex uh, doing the work as well. So cool card. 
nice addition uh, to Legacy uh, so far. Maybe we will get bored in it a few <laughs> months from now. Who knows? But I, I managed to 2-0 against uh, Blue and Red. Sort of uh, Delverless Delver. Delver. That was nice. And of course, next matchup I'm paired against the Elves player in the room. They are always Elves player. And then I sat next to him like in game one. So in a match one. So I, I know what he's on. And like, I'm just you know, shrugging and thinking like, I would try, but I don't think this is a W. So uh, in game one, I get to land a Kappa and strike once with it, and I will have little on the next turn, but then he natural orders, and he has the Shepherd in place, so there's nothing I can do about it. Game two, I play turn one Chalice, and he's like, oh, good for me, I have Shepherd, plays Shepherd. And, but luckily for me, I have a dismember, and he doesn't recover from this because he doesn't make hardly any more plays uh, in the entire game after that. That's where we like them. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about going up on dismembers because m- maybe that is how we solve this matchup. And it's also really good against the oof, which is becoming more and more played, I think. Anyway, in game three, uh, he has the oof, and I don't have a removal for it. No, I have the removal for it, but uh, I I can't dig out of his, uh, his board state. And I die with a hoof on the battlefield and force double force in my hand, which is dead cards. So, like, that matchup is, a, is as it is. I have one engineer explosives in the board, which is mainly there for elves. And if I draw it with Emery in play, I think I'm in a good shape. If I don't draw it, I think I just lose. So that's how it is. It feels really weird to say, but like I hear a lot of, from a lot of your stories about uh, losing to elves, which seems like such a hard matchup. You always die with uh, with a lot of forces in your hand. And I'm wondering, like, do you bring in extra counterspells for this matchup? I did not do that at this event. I have done that in the past. I have trimmed the Torpor Orb from the board, which is also a good card to bring in. So I, I really didn't board so much at all i bring in two dismembers i bring in the Graftiger's cage i actually bring in the pithing needle just to say shepherd because if i get the Graftiger's cage he can still win with a shepherd but if i can needle the shepherd then i'm probably fine and then the engineered explosives and that's like that's the the guards that i bring in i don't bring in any other force negations or uh, metallic rebukes right or wrong it's hard to say i mean they, they can bring in i, I mean they're the main thing that they bring in is Collector Oof, I think. And other from that, it's just a combo that is, is dangerous. So, like, the dismember is the most important. And, of course, the Graftiger's Cage to slow them down. And if I get to draw it, he is really good as well, of course, to sweep them once. Yeah, but I remember from playing my uh, Death and Taxes days that, the same, the Elves matchup is just sort of from sort of anything from very tight but perhaps possible to nigh unwinnable depending on where in the meta game of the last five years you've been mm. and i mean I, I remember vividly the times i have played in tournaments and won against elves with that and taxes because it happens so rarely yeah and i just adopted the mindset of i'm just gonna have to eat at this matchup it's very difficult to make good even if i dedicate significant portions of the sideboard to it because it's just simply not something that you can beat with your strategy. Yeah. I mean, f- for your deck, I-, I would sort of start to think like, would you want to go and splash red to play whip flare? Would that be a cool thing? Like tech from, you know, standard of 2011 or something. But short of that, I don't. I think it's just gonna 
you're just gonna have to eat this one. Yeah, I mean, if if you splash, it's easier. But if you're in in mono blue, and I guess mono white is in a similar situation, you have uh, you don't really have anything to to take in. It's just uh, engine explosives, possibly. But yeah, as the taxes, I would take in sort of an additional mirror and crusader, and got to live that dream once with the mirror and crusader with a, a batter skull attached to it. That that's pretty good. But short of that. You just I mean you could splash black for plague engineer but that would be like mainly for that matchup it's a little bit weird <laughs> too like it, it it it's not really a sideboard card that I that I would want in in because I don't usually don't care about little guys on the battlefield it's they are not blocking kappa and they are not really threatening my life total so yeah Match four. I'm up against a local player, I think, and he's playing Pox. Mono black Pox with uh, ancient tombs, so it maybe is a little bit higher on the curve. Pretty cool build. In game one, he has a early Liliana, but I managed to ambush it with constructs from an Ursa Saga. Like, they are made in his end step, and then I can swing. And it didn't have any in, like instant speed interaction that could kill the construct. So get rid of it. And uh, like those constructs, I, I think I, I sack one to a small pox, but the other one survives and just fin- go over the finish line. And in game two, I have a quite fast hand. So I'm up to a lot of mana early. And I see with one of my baubles that he has a Trinisphere. So I sort of plan my game around that so i'm actually having six mana in play so i can make some sort of move every turn and uh, still hold up counter magic if if you should have something very frightening like a toxic deluge or something like that but trinisphere so late in the game is not very problematic i should say you know you can you can still improvise out the kappa for instance and with six mana, I can play something that triggers it each turn and then just hold up three for the Force of Will. So, And I also have an Emery in play, which is an, sort of an insurance for his Addict effects. And like, I can sack the Kappa and play it next turn, or if I have Lethal on board, I can just sack Emery and swing in the next turn. So felt pretty safe, actually. So two rather quick wins against Pox. And then I'm matched up against uh, another player from Stockholm that is uh, mostly a modern player, I think. He was uh, also with us in uh, Malmö. But he had borrowed lands <laughs> from our friend, The Hope. And he actually been doing really well with lands. I think it was maybe his first time playing it. And it's not an easy deck, but he was doing well. Yeah, that's super cool. But uh, we could... Uh, we could draw into the top eight. We didn't have to duke it out. And then when like the top eight was announced, everyone was like, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> I want to go home. It's nine o'clock yeah, and we're in North Shopping. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. a Sunday. And, like a lot of the I'm a yeah, parent. A lot of the players Yeah, like and many of the players also had played a high stakes tournament the day before and like, oh, right. also played a few rounds of modern on the on the in the morning. So a lot of per People were a little bit tired, so we just split the top eight. I was in fourth place in the Swiss, so I would be paired against the fifth place, which was another Stockholm player, so it would better be an interesting match. He was playing on Naya Depths, which I lost to in Gothenburg, so it would have been interesting to see. We actually played out the game uh, just to see, but like 
since there were no stakes, I won't really say it was meh. It, it, we tried the matchup, so to say. You were sandbagging. <laughs> if if you if you lost, like you just played it out for fun. Like if you lost, you can say that you sandbagged. If you won, you can say that it, it would have been a sweep. Well, I did actually lose. It was uh, three super tight games, and uh, I think I lost the third game because I played. I ha- he had um, a collector oof out, so I had only one island to tap for mana, and I used it to play a petal. No. Uh, a pithing needle into my own chalice so it didn't trigger the the kappa so i could not get it unblockable so he could just like jump with a dried arbor so that damage would have been very important next turn i use my mana instead to play a thought cast finds an ancient tomb so i can play my winter orb and trigger the kappa so should i have done that like the turn before maybe i could gotten that damage in earlier so <laughs> very tight that's that's rough did you have the ancient tomb like ready to go. No, it was on the top of my library. Oh, okay. So okay that okay. was. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's pr- kind of cool that you almost can beat a collector roof in play with this deck now. Yeah, like before it was just leaning super heavy into Psy and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like constructs, but now you got like the big daddy, the turtle, the Leonardo of the of the deck. Right. Like you don't have the velocity, but you still have some play. I should say. Yeah, like, unlike their Knight of the Reliquary, which you can just chump with Fopters or whatever, if you get your engine going, it's Swords to Plowshares or Bust. And then they need to get up to five, and you can't have a Chalice. Yeah, that was interesting. And then he succeeded to flip his uh, Outland Liberator to, like, kill one one artifact each attack. That card is really menacing. It's Gothenburg all over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, but it was a really nice tournament. Nice hanging out with some of the Legacy guys. Pity that neither of you could join. Would have been nice to be there with you, but it was really nice uh, to, like, play some Legacy after all these weeks of uh, hanging out in the countryside for my part. So I'm really keen on being back and playing more Magic again. Yeah, I was super jealous. I really wanted to go I was sitting there, I'm like, ah, but I knew it was going to be like that. I'm going to sort of start driving from North Shopping at 9 p.m. And that just didn't work for me yeah, yeah. last weekend. Yeah. And it's it's good to have you back in the city. You were starting to have some fever dreams about how to <laughs> how to mod your your eight cast decks. I got a bit worried. Like, is this some sort of cabin fever? <laughs> is he climbing on the walls? Should I cut the emeries for relays? And I was like... <laughs> Man, this is. I'm going uh, to try that. <laughs> oh man, the that. cabin fever is still here. <laughs> it's like the curse in the garage; it follows you. <laughs> but no, I think I think it's uh, it sounds uh, great. And yeah, it was. Uh, I I couldn't come either, but uh, I did get some some magic in this week, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you you had a draft night, right? Do you wanna? say a few words about that or well we can do a a super quick one so victor he decided to host a double masters 2022 draft at his place yesterday evening and it was just such a fun format to play and it's a lot of homies from the legacy scene and one of Victor's old neighbors, who's a really friendly musician, who I drafted with like a couple of years ago with your cube. 
So, Victor, what what motivated you? What gave you the draft itch? As you said, the last time we drafted was a couple of years ago with my then modern cube that I've since had to dismantle because keeping a modern cube up to date is a lot of work compared to how often you get a chance to play it as an adult, which is very rarely. But Double Masters 22 came out and I just felt I want to have legacy players come together and do something different than we usually do and this seems to be sort of the way to do it uh, because this set is so powered and you have the double rares and everything and I have to say I was not disappointed about the amount of fun that you can have drafting Double Masters 2022. It was extremely fun to draft in paper in person with, with other legacy players specifically because I think we look at the cards a bit differently and some people have I mean, I guess compared to the the average Magic player, longer history in the game, there are some interesting callbacks. There's like, ooh, this is the art. I like that art. Do you remember that expansion? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you remember when did that Chaos draft in 2015? Oh, yeah, that was so nice, etc., etc. And it was uh, a good crew, and got some, we got to build some really cool decks. Like, none of the people at the table had done any drafting of this set, uh, which I think was great, because... We hadn't sort of studied archetypes or anything. We were just like, let's sit down, open these packs and see what we get. And we got eight very different decks. And that, I think, speaks to this being a great draft format. Like, we eight different people uh, sit down and draft this basically in the blind. And we land on eight interesting, functional and amongst themselves different decks. That was uh, super fun to, to just experience that. I, of course, got in the first match <laughs> crushed by spider spawning, as you always do in every draft moment that you play. And then I got to lose tight games against uh, a rug deck that basically overwhelmed me with its mid-range power. And then I won in the last match. I played a Grixis aggro spell-based deck with Collagon's uh, command and stuff. And it was truly fun. And you succeeded to top two, Christopher. Yeah, I, I lost I lost the final. So I did something that's very unlike me in this draft. Like normally I love blue, I love green. But I played Mardu. So I had like about a, a lot of sacrifice synergies, necrotic ooze. I had Aurelia, Umburial Rites, and just a lot of bombs. But my favorite combination in like the whole that I had was I opened a Sensei's Divining Top and then I also had Weathered Wayfarer which is a one mana 1-1 one, one for white and then you can white and tap it to you know search your library for land card and put it in your hand and shuffle and only activate it if your opponent has like more lands than you so I was sitting there topping shuffling topping and then like I think I had two mythics and five rare bombs like it was just crazy no one beside me drafted mardu and i think it might not be super supported but the deck i got was pretty pretty bombish because of that but yeah it was it was a lot of fun played against esper control mid-range and it's funny because that player is at our lgs the esper vile person so i'm like never change and then i played against deltar you know uh, mr andreas hoverberg hope who was drafting the deck i wanted to play this deck was so incredibly sweet yeah it was like a five color bring to light reanimator deck and it was just insane he had shy of alara double mimeoplasm and then like that 
extremely disgusting card from one of the uh, I think maybe from the first Innistrad like Dark Ascension or something it's like a double strike free five flying and when you gain life yeah drug skull captain yeah when you when you gain life you draw a card and it has double strike and flies uh, so it's just like draw two a turn but uh, yeah I managed managed to beat Esper and then managed to beat his pile because I had Master of Cruelties which is a nasty card when you attack with it it's a one four or one yeah it's a one four for five first strike death touch and if it isn't blocked it doesn't assign combat damage but it leaves your opponent at one life so that was pretty good with like crack crackling doom or like my free aristocrats that just sacrifice a creature and it gains protection because then I got always got through after that. You had the uh, Tariel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a seven drop. My first pack, I had that and Force of Negation and some other things. And I was just like, I'm not going to pick the Force of Negation. I'm just going to go for stupid big Mardu creatures. And uh, that's exactly what I did. And, uh, you know, sometimes it just... It works. But yeah, then I lost to a four-color control in the end. And it had my only weakness, which was removal and counter spells. How about that? How about that? Well, yeah, it was a great night. But yeah, folks, if you have the opportunity to find packs in the store, because that was a bit of a challenge for me, bring together seven of your friends and uh, draft this format. It's truly, truly fun. And uh, that is all we have for this week. We hope that you had a good time. We sure did. If you like our podcast, a nice way of showing it is to tell a friend and to rate us in whichever podcast machine you use. If you want to talk more with us, you can come join our Discord server. You can find the link in this episode description. And in addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at STHLM Stockholm Legacy. We are also present personally on some social media as well. Robin, where can our listeners find you these days? You can find me on Twitter under the username Jacka underscore Boo. Yeah, we lured him into magic Twitter, everyone. He <laughs> finally joined. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well at MonolithMTG. And I'm on Twitter at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 56th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robin Svensi and Anne Christopher Wikström. One thanks to you for listening. The Great Frönes has, as always, written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Until next time. Remember to thank your tournament organizers for making your hobby possible.